Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, a podcast that aims to inspire, engage and connect social workers with other social workers and allied health professionals doing interesting and amazing things across the world. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Hello, welcome back. Uh, I've taken a little bit of a break uh, over the Easter holidays. I just returned from an epic hiking trip where I did a massive 13 days um, hiking, um, 160 kilometers, which was amazing. Uh, A bit sore, have a few bug bites, but I had a really wonderful time. And it's something I really value. I try really hard to get outdoors um, and get into nature. It's one of the things I really enjoy and it just does wonders for my my mental health and my self-care. So that explains a little bit of my absence. This episode has been something I've been working on or procrastinating from doing for a little while. Actually, I've put in the Facebook group an expression of interest, I guess, a little while back um, for people to share their stories on imposter syndrome. And I got an overwhelming amount of replies, uh, which was really, I mean, it was great to hear people um, share their stories and a little bit uh, disheartening to to read so many stories of people feeling um, ill-equipped or not good enough. Um, and, and really struggling with their identity as a social worker and some other allied health professionals as well. And ironically, uh, it's been difficult to put this together because I felt like an imposter myself. I thought, um, who am I to be presenting on this? Um, then I did some of my own coping strategies, some which can be helpful, like preparing a little bit, writing some notes, uh, and then it tipped into um, a rabbit hole of reading articles and other people's stories and then getting off track and then coming back to it and getting off track again. So I found it a really interesting thing to think about the that parallel process of um, what's happening for, for the listeners and for the stories that people shared and also what was happening for me as I did a little bit of research on this. And, um, yeah, it was quite an interesting one. Um, a little bit of history on imposter syndrome. Um, you know, it was called imposter phenomenon, um, and it was first sort of documented in the late 70s um, by Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, and they um, looked at, you know, it was a, it, it's a study that has been revised and they've written a lot about it since, but the original study looked at high-achieving women um, again, it was mostly white women. It was um, what they thought was high achieving. So there, there are some improvements that have been made over time, but this in- initial research looked at what it what it is and they sort of defined it as um, doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. And, you know, it's really characterized by that feeling of being being found out, being, you know, someone figuring out that you're not supposed to be there or here or that you're going to be called out for not knowing what you're talking about, um, that you're going to get found out that you got a job because of luck. 
Um, and they, their original research project found that it disproportionately affected high-achieving people um, who often found it difficult to accept their accomplishments and some even questioning whether they deserve uh, positive feedback and accolades and um, some of the, I guess, success that comes with their hard work. And um, it's applied to personality, to intelligence, to a sense of achievement. Uh, it's really, it can really be across any any part of your work and really challenge your own competencies and skills. Um, and often people who feel this way will attribute any success that they have to external factors, to, to luck or to someone else or... Uh, really kind of dismiss some of those personal qualities that they've they've worked hard on or they've worked hard on a project and really not taking any of that as having anything to do with them. Uh, some people even have a lot of negative self-talk and they berate their own performance. Um, they can have a lot of fears that they won't live up to expectations. And the interesting thing with this is just like with a number of core beliefs, we can uh, overcompensate and that can sometimes keep this going. So there could be overachieving, um, perfectionism, a high level of detail, or it can the pendulum can swing to the other point where maybe that perfectionism can be so consuming that it actually sabotages success. So it's a uh, people handle this uh, in different ways and have sometimes different coping strategies and some of them are maladaptive, which um, which I can really see that, that fear of, of being perfect, uh, sabotaging it. And it's something, um, you know, the notes I started writing on this and the research I did was nearly three months ago. That's how long it took me to get through um, my own fears to actually talk about this topic which is um yeah it's quite interesting I think to think about how we do that and I'm not saying I'm an expert but I can definitely talk from experience about that fear of being found out or um you know remember when I graduated and I had my first job and I was like can I even can I even do this how do I put my research uh project into practice how do I um I learned about this in a book, but, but what do I, what do I do? And, and that's come with every new job. Um, even my first counseling session as a therapist is, okay, client comes in and sits down and what do I say? say, Hi, or how was your week? Or are they going to know that they're my first client? I've only ever done this in role plays. Are they going to storm out or ask to see my credentials? Like it, it can be really consuming. Um, and then when it's such a, a core belief, um, you know, the things people say don't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't change it. Someone can say, you did a great job or, um, you know, that was really well. I'll give you a glowing appraisal or even, um, constructive feedback. Um, but we just don't believe it. It's, um, it just feels inherent in us as people. Uh, this, um, so going back to the original research, they looked at a number of things that cause, that they believe caused imposter syndrome. Um, and for some of the participants, they found that it was a lot of things in early childhood, um, and being, um, labeled in a certain way. So 
being told that you're too sensitive or too soft or too gentle or, um, you know, a nice, good, smart girl or a quiet girl, um, those women tended to wanted to prove people wrong um, and wanted to be noticed for that. So uh, if the family don't notice or are unimpressed by those achievements, um, then that can kind of start to create a bit of um, that imposter phenomenon, which what, uh, was what it was called back then. Um, another group of women were told um, almost the opposite, that they were bright, that they learned really quickly, that they could be anything they want to be and they were praised a lot and that created a pressure to fulfil expectations um, and it actually made it really difficult for that group to not know something. So if they were struggling with a difficult project or were struggling with learning something new, um, their belief was, I should get this. So if I can't get it straight away, there must be something wrong with me and people are going to find out. So that was one of the um, the impacts for, for that group of, of participants in this, in this project. Um, and then there were a few other ones where um, – a lot of it was around with families who focus a lot on achievement um, and even those who fluctuated between offering a lot of praise and then criticising um, very achievement-based rather than effort or you know, valuing other things. So there's a lot of stuff there which I was quite interested in um, having also a background in family therapy around how some of those core beliefs can feature. So some of the stories I got from you all were were very similar and also very unique to each person. So thank you for sharing. Um, and some of the things that people were saying is similar to what this article says of um, not feeling enough or I should know this by now. And a lot of those really raw, honest um, examples of how feeling like an imposter can really um, can, can have an impact at work. So I wanted to talk a little bit around how it actually gets in the way. Um, some of the behaviour that comes along with imposter syndrome can actually um, can, can be helpful. Um, a lot of our coping strategies in small amounts can be positive and then can tip over the scales into being unhelpful. So being, you know, diligent and hardworking, great attributes, excellent. But that could also be um, have a lot of worry. Uh, it can consume your thoughts. Um, and if you achieve a goal, if you have that feeling of being an imposter, it doesn't just go away until there's an internal... Um, and I guess a, a reconciliation, a reckoning, or really um, that internal work needs to be done to feel competent and like you're not an imposter. Otherwise, all that diligence and hard work, you'll achieve a goal, but you won't believe that you achieved it um, because of your hard work or you might dismiss the um, the positive attributes you have and just keep focusing on the next thing. So it doesn't go away until the underlying beliefs um, change. Um, there's also um, 
it can uh, some people can overcompensate with um, fawning a lot with um, uh, feeling that they need to please other people that they need to flatter other people they need to they can't go against the majority they can't put out their own ideas um, and it, it can be a bit of a, a sense of phoniness um, and it's it's very difficult because I can see for some people how this might be a way to avoid feeling like a, a phony or an imposter um, but it can maintain it because by not being authentic and not having your views, um, you know, heard and, and having feedback on them, you never quite know if you're, how your contributions are being received and what you're really um, being seen for. So I think that's a really uh, interesting one. Um, so trying to yeah, impress people, um, charm them, um, can be uh, a way of maintaining imposter syndrome and in in a way even if you do something really amazing or work really hard and get a really good result you might fall back on well they only did that because they like me or because they owed me a favor um, and doubt the work itself so it can be quite quite insidious in that way and so I spend a lot of time looking at um, other people's stories and reading articles about imposter syndrome. And originally I was going to start talking about what we can do, what are things as individuals that we can do. And I had a whole list of ideas around <laughs> trying to recognize it, therapy and supervision, which, you know, are really helpful, um, talking to friends and trusted peers um, one of the ideas uh, I had uh, come across was keeping a diary uh, and writing down positive feedback. I have a little um, shoebox kind of shaped box that I put uh, any thank you cards um, that I get from um, from supervisees or clients in, and I keep that. But um, as I dug a little deeper, I started to think about this systemically and I thought, is it really fair to pathologize this, to see it as an individual, um, air quotes, problem that an individual has to manage? And I went back to the emails that I received and I looked at some of the stories that uh, people shared and a lot of it was in the system in, you know, graduates not feeling supported, not being um, given the time to settle into the role, not having um, feedback, good, bad, just checking in. And then I came across this article in the Harvard Business Review called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And uh, it really had me thinking about systems, you know, thinking about race, classism, xenophobia, a range of other biases that we might have and how that can play a role on people's experiences of feeling like an imposter. And it's something I don't have an answer to, but it's it's a question I want to I guess, uh, think about or raise is if this many people are feeling it, is it us or is it the system? What's happening around us? Are we getting the right support? Are we being taught um, skills that are transferable into the workplace? 
do we have workplaces that support and scaffold our learning and give us opportunities to make mistakes safely and learn from them? Is there opportunity for reflection and for consolidation of learning? And so the podcast um, planning took a bit of a, a 180 and went from me thinking about the individual things we can do um, to then looking at the system. And I don't know if I have an answer just yet, but it's something that I wanted people to think about and start a discussion about. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that article um, which I thought was really excellent, but it's something to think about and um, how we find this balance between taking um, some accountability and responsibility for our core beliefs and, and looking at what we can do to manage our own fears and worries and anxieties and then making sure we zoom out and look at the system and how we can support people to not feel that way or to support them to overcome some of those doubts and feelings of being an imposter. So I'd love to hear from you if you yeah have um, have some thoughts on that, reach out. You can find me on all the socials, uh, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram. You can shoot me an email at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at insidesocialwork.com. And uh, maybe this will be a part one of two. So I'll dig a bit more and see what I can find. Uh, in the meantime, if you feel like this is something that you struggle with, um, I found looking um, at some of the existing work around anxiety and um, core beliefs, so some schema therapy, I found some of that stuff really helpful. So one of the things that I um I think people can try is notice what happens to you when you feel like an imposter. Can you can you pinpoint the physical sensation in your body? Can you f- recognize what's being triggered for you? Is it I don't feel good enough? I don't feel this was great. I feel like a fraud. Um, I'm not sure this was my best work, other people can do it better. So trying to kind of get a sense of what are your thoughts, where are they, what's happening, what's happening in your body, and then actually labeling it, taking a deep breath and saying these thoughts aren't facts, this is my whatever word you use for it. If you use imposter syndrome, fine, there's unhelpful thinking patterns, label it and then take a moment to think I got the position because I'm qualified, or I may have made this mistake, I'm an eager to learn person, I work hard, I will figure this out, or yeah, maybe I don't understand this yet, but I can. Really try to speak to yourself with the level of compassion that you would give a close friend or a loved one. Um, start trying to shift that mindset. If your internal dialogue is berating you, it's telling you how much of a failure you are and how crappy you are and listing all the examples of the times you've stuffed things up, take a breath and acknowledge that voice. Maybe give it a name, 
give it a personality and just say my thoughts on facts or I can do this. I don't know this yet, but I can learn. I did my best. I will try a different strategy next time. Give yourself some compassion and some care and talk yourself through it because this is a hard job and I don't think we can ever be prepared for all the things that it can throw at us. Uh, Working with people, with policies, in research, in any of the fields that social workers work in, it's messy and it's complicated and, yeah, there's a lot happening. So we need to practice some self-compassion. We need to try and um, reflect on what's happening for us as individuals and we need to look at the system. What can we do different? If you're in a leadership position, if you're a supervisor, check in with those around you. Um, and if they're not providing feedback, maybe the culture is not safe. Maybe they don't feel psychologically safe or emotionally safe or supported to provide honest feedback. And that might be hard to hear because I know social workers care. And most get into this work because they want to help people, uh, because they've got a lived experience, because they know someone who benefited or they, they're really interested by systems or mental health or, or a range of different things. And so they're good people. And if you've been working your butt off and you have a blind spot and there's been something you've overlooked that's impacting your team, that's going to be hard to hear. That's going to be hard to acknowledge. Be kind to yourself reflect on it, get the right support and see what can you do different? What can you do as an individual, as a team, as a bigger system to help graduates, seasoned social workers, volunteers, whoever's coming into that workplace to feel like they are competent and not to feel like an imposter because some level of self-doubt, yeah, that's helpful. We don't know everything and we are learning but we don't want people feeling paralyzed by uh, feelings of being an imposter and feeling unworthy and, and doubting their skills and capacity and being scared to do their job. So I hope that was um, helpful. A little bit of uh, a mixed bag of, of things that I found on imposter syndrome. Uh, I hope you're all having a lovely day and I look forward to hearing some more stories from you. Um, Jump into the Facebook group and let me know what you want to hear. Doing a bit of podcast recording over the next little while and I've got some really great interviews and conversations coming up soon for you as well. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. The Inside Social Work podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. If you would like to support the podcast, you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and feel free to join the Facebook group. It'd be great to hear from you. Have a lovely day. Bye.